You're now listening to a Bingeful Brain podcast, the show that teaches simple neuroscience-based strategies to ending binge eating, overeating, and emotional eating through the inside-out understanding of your habits. I'm Natalia, your host, and I'm here to help you create wellness without the obsession. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Binge Proof Brain podcast. It's really hard to record right now. I've been trying to make this intro a couple of times and it's just not working out. I don't know what to say. Uh, it seems like I forgot how to record a podcast because I had a little longer break in recording podcast episodes. So yeah, it's all a mess and ideally I would like to make it really quick and I would like to, uh, you know, put it out without any editing. <laughs> so finger cro fingers crossed that this time I'm just going to tell you about the massive life update and its impact on my brand, on my company, on, on my podcast and social media presence. But where do I start? <laughs> so if you remember, uh, at the end of 2022, I announced that I'm opening and closing doors for the Binge Pro Brain coaching program uh, for the last time, that I'm not going to accept any new clients in 2023. Uh, I just wanted to finish working with my clients by the end of March because... My due date was in April, so yes, I've been secretly incubating a little human inside me for the past couple of months, and now he is out, which means that, yes, I'm a mother now. <laughs> so in today's podcast episode, I would like to share with you just a tiny bit, bit about my pregnancy, about birth, postpartum period, and the future of the Binge Proof Brain podcast and Binge Proof Brain coaching. Uh, many people asked me like why I haven't spoken about it on my social media, why I haven't shared that I'm pregnant. And let me tell you, I kind of wanted to, but somehow, I don't know, I missed the opportunity and then it was too awkward. <laughs> so somehow I kept it a secret and it was not really intentional. It was kind of accidental. Uh, I also didn't want to, you know, pollute my content with uh, my private life, <laughs> right? Uh, and the truth is that I sometimes get very obsessive. So for example, in the past, when I went vegan, all I wanted to talk about was, you know, vegan diet and lifestyle. The same with other topics that I was interested in, like neuroscience, wellness, biohacking, even gut health, hormones. So a couple of months ago, at the beginning of my pregnancy, you know, one day I was writing down ideas about what to post about. And all topics somehow were pregnancy or child development related. <laughs> Because at the time, you know, I was consuming a lot of um, information, knowledge from books, audiobooks, podcasts, Instagram, and I learned so many things and I, I really wanted to to talk about it. <laughs> I learned so much about all my favorite topics, but in a context of pregnancy and parenthood. For example, you know, nutrition in pregnancy, how to support brain development in utero and outside the womb. Uh, I learned about hypnobirthing, how to live a life with as few toxins as possible uh, to do not make an, a negative impact on a baby. And of course, 
how to take care of baby's mental, emotional and physical needs. So believe me, I did want to, to share all of those things, but my social media presence then wouldn't be about binge eating, <laughs> but it would be about my pregnancy and motherhood. It would be, you know, uh, more like journal, not really a, a platform uh, for, for people struggling with, with eating disorders. And I'm also aware that I'm not an influencer and I know that you are here for topics related to eating disorders, not pregnancy. And uh, I was even for a moment thinking about like starting a new page, uh, maybe a YouTube channel. But let's be honest, I'm, I already have too many projects and I didn't want to branch out even more. So I decided to shut up and to not talk about my pregnancy on social media. But of course, you know, that created a couple of problems because my brain was full of just baby stuff. <laughs> I couldn't come up with like new content ideas about like food, body image issues, eating disorders. And that was a real struggle because I just didn't really feel inspired to create about uh, food issues. <laughs> I, I just didn't feel like talking about problems with food. And my eating disorder at the moment kind of feels a little bit far away. Um, so if you are currently, you know, a pregnant woman, a mother, a parent, a caregiver, like I get it, like this surprised me the most, the mental load of pregnancy. And, um, I suspect that the mental load of motherhood <laughs> will become even, uh, bigger. Uh, so that was all what was on my mind, you know, I was all the time thinking about, about these kind of things. That's why it was hard for me to create content about binge eating. But at the same time, I feel like I can relate to people with eating disorders because years ago, you know, I experienced huge mental load of eating disorder. I was constantly thinking about food and, um, during pregnancy, <laughs> my mental load was fo focused on, on pregnancy, you know, like what is safe, what is not safe, um, and, you know, how to care about little human and, and so on. <laughs> um, anyways, the reason I was still able to, to post a little bit on social media was because I still was working with clients, so regular coaching sessions kind of kept me in the loop, and that allowed me to, like, post one, two times a week, and... Um, on my social media platforms. And let me tell you, surprisingly, it was so easy to hide my pregnancy, even on videos, <laughs> you know, just right clothing, right angle, putting tags over like strategic places. And I don't think that anyone noticed that I was pregnant, even when I was like seven, eight months. <laughs> Maybe on some videos at the end, I was more swollen than usual due to water retention. But overall, overall kind of like hiding pregnancy was doable, which was surprising. But okay, um, for those who are interested, I would also like to give you a quick uh, you know, a uh, recap of my pregnancy. <laughs> so let me tell you that uh, I surprised myself because I loved being pregnant. <laughs> I was one of those annoying ladies who really enjoyed being busy at the cellular level and building new organs. <laughs> but let's be honest, I had healthy and complicated pregnancy, um, which of course make things a little bit easier. 
But I also want to mention that almost every week, you know, I had some new symptoms coming up. Um, I was writing them down in a in a journal. So most of them were kind of like a positive challenge. Maybe one of the hardest things was the SPD pain, uh, which is like kind of a type of a pubic pain. Uh, so last weeks of pregnancy, sure, they were uncomfortable, but overall I had positive experience and I really gained new appreciation for my body, uh, how to take care of myself. And really, I could not have predicted that I will love my changing body. That was really surprising to me. I know that it sounds kind of fake, <laughs> but if you would also ask my partner how, how my mental health uh, was during pregnancy, he would say that it was the best it it's ever been. <laughs> I don't think that I snapped at him even once. I didn't have typical pregnancy mood swings, not at all, no crying, no huge mental drama. I was kind of like zen all the time. I had very little stress. Um, I kind of decided at the beginning that, you know what, I've heard that stress is bad for the baby, so I just won't stress at all. And I kind of didn't stress that much, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, if you would like to see a kind of a photo journal of my pregnancy, you would have to go on Instagram and go see the highlight called pregnancy on my Instagram page. Uh, there I explained a little bit more how my pregnancy impacted my eating in each trimester. Uh, overall, you know, I give you a little bit more details about pregnancy and of course you are free to ask questions. Uh, I also uploaded a video on YouTube with my weekly belly transformation, which is kind of boring video, but I don't know, I just enjoyed seeing my body changing, which is so weird. <laughs> so if you would like to watch this video on YouTube, you have to search for binge-proof-brain. <laughs> I know it's it's weird that I put dash between binge and proof, doesn't matter. So pregnancy was was great. And then birth. So let me tell you that we planned for natural, unmedicated home birth, more specifically, even water birth at home. We rented birth pool. You know, I was doing my hypnobirthing during pregnancy. Uh, it was really a consistent practice of mine. I was trying to change my mindset. I was, you know, working on all of those beliefs about how painful birth will be. So basically, I was doing what I do with my clients. I was rewiring my brain to change my mindset and to have pain-free labor. Uh, I also learned a lot about like biomechanics of labor from websites like Spinning Babies. Uh, so... The last couple of weeks uh, of my pregnancy, I was really preparing for uh, birth. Uh, also, I was doing, you know, all the things to kind of like induce the baby <laughs> in a natural way. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have my dream home birth because my baby just didn't want to go out, you know. <laughs> we, uh, it was like week 40, no baby. Then week 41 uh, started and again, no baby. So people around me, especially health professionals, got kind of antsy because everybody knows that um, when you go, when you are pregnant longer than 42 weeks, there are some uh, possible bad health outcomes for the mother and for the baby, like um, the likelihood of getting those bad health outcomes increases. 
But again, I was approaching 42 weeks, but I had zero signs of labor. So midwives did cervical sweep. I had also CTG every other day. I had ultrasounds every other day to see if placenta is still working. Like they still wanted to give me a chance to go to labor naturally. However, it didn't start. So they gave me another cervical sweep. And after the second cervical sweep, indeed, labor kind of has started. But really, it was like forcing my body to do its thing. Um, I feel like my body was not ready. (laughs) But it decided to, you know, to give me some signs of labor, uh, just to give me false hope. (laughs) So yeah, after a cervical sweep, uh, the second one, uh, I did get some contractions the first night, then another day, I was still contracting, then another night, and I really believed I will give birth that night. Uh, I dealt with contractions, mainly with like moving my body. I was swaying. I was a little bit dancing, um, dancing to to deal with contractions. Uh, We had really lovely, intimate uh, time. The whole night was was very great. My partner was, was helping me, was very supportive. However, my contractions weren't long enough, so midwife didn't really want to come to us. She said, like, seems like you are in very early labor, so there's no point in me coming. And um, yeah, that kind of sucked. <laughs> Still, uh, we decided that not ni- that night we are going to blow up uh, um, birth pool and we will try to, you know, maybe help my body. Maybe after I go into the water, maybe my contractions will pick up a little bit. Unfortunately, this is not what happened. My contractions even faded even more. Uh, so basically, I was laboring the, the whole night and previous day and previous night. <laughs> I was, but that night I was laboring the whole night at home and things were just not progressing. After I got into the pool, uh, contractions faded even more. So we didn't sleep whole night. And again, contractions picked up again the next morning and midwife decided to check on me. And can you believe that I was only two centimeter, centimeters dilated? which is pretty bad because you need to get to 10 centimeters to push. So as you can see, we had already two sleepless nights and another day of labor ahead of us. At this point, I was super tired. I was fed up mentally and physically. Like the the previous, you know, days, I was still enthusiastic. I was still using the techniques I've learned to deal with, with pain. I was using hypnobirthing. Um, to to help me relax in labor, but at this point, yeah, I was just I was just fed up. <laughs> uh, and that day, we also had scheduled appointment at the hospital um, to see again if placenta is working properly and if baby's heart uh, rate is working properly, that the baby is not stressed. Uh, and at this point, I was so tired, and I stopped handling contractions very well that I was wearing TENS machine to help me uh, lower the pain. So we got to the birth center center, and they did did check me and they said like, yeah, things seem fine, but you are like, in two days, you are going to be 42 weeks pregnant. So we strongly advise you induction right now before your uterus gets so fatigued that, you know, we're going to have to uh, intervene even more. 
so at this point, I really had to make hard decision to like give up on my dream to give birth at home. And I decided that I would like to be admitted to hospital. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so this is what, what, what we did. Uh, again, if you are laboring for a long time, like uterus is a muscle it will get fatigued. And that's what, what's been happening in my case. I wasn't dilating enough. My labor has stalled. Uh, my muscles were fatigued. All of my muscles, you know, not just my uterus. Like I treated my birth like a marathon. I did, you know, consume electrolytes, energy gels. I had food, fruit pouches, supplements. But at this point, like all muscles hurt me because I mainly dealt with with um, pain coming from contractions. I mainly dealt with it through movement. So, you know, through not sleeping and moving all the time, I was just tired. I was in pain. Uh, so I was admitted to, to the hospital and they proceeded with first intervention, uh, which was artificial rupture of membranes. And again, after that, they gave me two hours to see what's going to happen. And can you imagine that there was still no progress in dilation? So uh, at this point, the cascade of interventions has started. Um, so they decided to give me Pitocin. And after pitocin, indeed, my dilation increased from two to three centimeters. But of course, pitocin also makes your contractions way more intensive. And at this point, again, I wasn't handling contractions at all. I was in a lot of pain. Um, again, also between contractions because my muscles were hurting from standing, moving. Um, so at this point, I was... Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I just kind of knew that I won't be able to do it because if it's going to take me another couple of hours of, you know, going further into the dilation and at this point I'm just, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> I was exhausted, fatigued. Um, so I asked for pain relief. So I did receive a walking epidural. So that helped me to relax a little bit. I stopped tensing so much and Believe it or not, within the next two, three hours, my body went from three centimeters of dilation to nine centimeters. And at this point, I started to feel pressure that the baby is coming. And unfortunately, midwife told me that I kind of have to hold on because they have the other birth. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we had to wait until I am 10 centimeters dilated. And they also got me off epidural so that I can, you know, switch positions so that I can feel contractions to know when to push. However, then my contractions again kind of started to um, to fade. <laughs> so they had to give me more Pitocin. Um, but okay, at this point, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I just wanted this, to have this baby. <laughs> and let me tell you that um, pushing was kind of my favorite. That was the most uh, satisfying part of the labor because at least I felt that something is happening, that I'm not just suffering for for nothing that I felt the baby moving through the birth canal. So that was kind of satisfying. Uh, I also tried to like kind of like breathe the baby out to prevent tearing, which I 
I mostly succeeded. Well, I, I tried different ways to, to push the baby out. Um, what I mean that I succeeded is that I was pushing for such a long time that uh, indeed I didn't have any significant significant tearing, which was which was good. Uh, so yeah, finally I pulled my son. <laughs> uh, well, I pushed him out and I pulled him um, from between my legs and all was great. <laughs> you know, all the suffering finally um, finally had some kind of end. Well, actually, you, you're still in pain after that <laughs> because you have to birth placenta and so on. Uh, but anyways, uh, baby boy was healthy, strong baby. He received 10 out of 10 of Abgar score. And he cried for the next hour. <laughs> and he, he kind of showed us how the next couple of weeks will look like. And thankfully, my postpartum period um, was very good, uh, I would say. I, I definitely expected it to be way, way worse. I prepared myself. I tried to prepare my partner how bad it's going to be. But it wasn't bad at all. Right now, I'm six weeks postpartum and really... There's, I have no complaints. <laughs> uh, I had really very fast physical and mental recovery. Even though our birth was not how we expected it to be, it was kind of traumatic, but I didn't perceive it that way. So I, I am kind of surprised by, by my own mental resilience, but I feel like many women can, can say that. <laughs> Somehow our brains quickly forget how bad labor is. <laughs> and again, after all hypnobirthing, I know that I shouldn't be using this kind of, uh, this kind of vocabulary, like, you know, pain, contractions. I, I know that they use different, um, different uh, vocabulary, but again, I don't know who is listening to me. So I am kind of going to, to use them the common common vocabulary <laughs> anyways um i didn't have a perfect birth um and i was afraid that because of that i'm going to resent the baby and maybe i won't be able to like love it right away or i won't be able to like take care of my baby right away especially that i know that i'm prone to depression so i had a fear of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety but so far it didn't happen I totally fell in love with our baby boy right away and I kind of intuitively knew how to take care of him and yeah I was pretty confident in with care for our newborn and even our postpartum nurse that was coming into our house uh, she said um, she she assumed that I had some kind of like previous experience with with taking care of babies but I told her that you know what the last time I hold the baby was like 10 years ago for one minute for a picture uh, so we had like zero experience with taking care of a newborn baby and somehow we really coped very well <laughs> so I'm I'm proud of me and our uh, and and my partner uh, but of course, you know, postpartum period was kind of great, but also we had some struggles. The main struggles were connected to breastfeeding, um, baby crying a lot and baby not sleeping. <laughs> so breastfeeding, uh, it's supposed to be, you know, this natural intuitive thing that every woman should be able to do, but it's not, you know. So I had some, well, the breastfeeding kind of started good, but then I... Then I got uh, cracked nipples, bleeding nipples, um, 
and of course um uh, that led to mastitis i also struggled with like oversupply of milk i thought that i'm probably gonna be one of those ladies who struggle with uh, proper supply but i experienced quite the opposite <laughs> so before you know giving birth before breastfeeding i read a lot you know how to increase the supply in case you have it low what you have to do but i never you know see I never saw any tips online or about how to deal with oversupply. <laughs> so, and that was kind of my, my problem, you know. Um, anyways, yeah, cracked nipples, bleeding nipples, uh, mastitis, which uh, thankfully I was able to heal it without the antibiotics. But all of those breastfeeding problems uh, kind of led us to, to see the lactation um, specialist because we assumed latch issues and indeed there might, there might be some tongue tie so we are going to see a specialist about that next week. Uh, anyways also the, the lactation specialist, lactation consultant told us that after a long labor our baby might might have some like tension in his face and, and body and because he has tension in his face then that's gonna um, that's gonna cause him to latch um, very hardly because also because of the tongue tie he cannot use his tongue so he's using a lot of like face muscles so he has a lot of uh, tension anyways <laughs> so she recommended us to go to osteopath so uh, we went there and to be honest I haven't heard much about like osteopathy so that was a new experience for me but believe it or not osteopath really helped us released a lot of tension in uh, baby boy's uh, body uh, also our baby boy was crying a lot um, he probably could be considered to be like a colicky baby uh, however, we started using different, uh, we started using a specific strain of probiotics. And also we went to osteopath and I believe that osteopath and probiotics really helped with his fussiness, uh, with burping. It made him to burp easier so that he has less, um, you know, pain in his intestines. So things are really, really getting better. I feel like the first uh, week or two weeks were the worst in case of crying. And right now people say that six weeks old babies cry a lot. But I feel like in our situation it's like reversed because right now he doesn't cry as much. So, uh, so I don't think that he would, you know, met the criteria for being a colicky baby anymore. Um, anyways, <laughs> you know what? I could talk about like pregnancy, birth and, and baby a lot. <laughs> it's, it's on my mind right now. It's, um, it's a topic that my life re revolves around at the moment. So I could talk about it a lot. So I will try to, um, shut up about this part and just tell you about like the future, right? Because right now I am on my maternity leave and in the Netherlands, you do get three months of maternity leave after you give birth. But let's remember that I am my own boss. So I will take as long as I want to to be with, with my baby. I personally prefer not to give my three months old baby to daycare. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I know that for some people it is a necessity. However, this is not my preference. 
Maybe you've noticed that I'm all about like conscious living, intentional living. And at the moment, I don't want to bite more than I can chew. (laughs) Of course, I admire women who don't want to stop their career, who don't want to lose themselves in motherhood, who still want their life to look similar to the life they had before pregnancy. But it's not me. I'm excited for those changes and changes in my priorities. And in my case, I feel like scaling back on growing my business, growing my podcast, um, it, it, is, it isn't quiet quitting. It's all about prioritizing my mental health and, and, and my life. <laughs> At this season of life, my family matters to me a lot. I'm learning how to be a mom. I'm learning so many new skills and I'm experiencing so many new new things. <laughs> and um, I feel like at this stage of my postpartum journey, thinking about binge your brain would just add more stress to my life and it would decrease the quality of my life. I really want to be present with my baby. It's a unique time in both of our lives and I want to be present for that. Also, um, most of my life, I feel like I had more masculine approach to, you know, to life and goals and building online business. I wanted my actions to be goal oriented. I wanted to be disciplined and rational and achieving kind of like another milestone was important to me. But for the past year to two years, I feel like I've been shifting. <laughs> I have more feminine approach to success. I want to show up differently. It's not only about like reaching goals, but more about um, building community, you know, nurturing connections, creating safe and accessible space for people who are ready to give and receive. Uh, I benefited greatly from switching uh, from diet mentality to intuitive eating. In motherhood, I want to be more intuitive too. So why not being more flexible, relaxed and intuitive at my work with my business. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. All I want to say that hustle culture, uh, boss babes, high achieving, go getting mindset didn't didn't provide me with love, acceptance, and peace I was looking for. So time for change. So let's come uh, come back to talking about the future of podcasts and my brand. So it was hard decision for me to make um, to make decision that I'm 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 okay with not making money for a while, uh, but yeah, I had to face the truth that I'm not that much you know money motivated. So instead of like working my butt off to you know to keep my business running, I just prefer to lower my expenses, sell things that I don't need, um, use up some of my savings, and. I'm okay with that, okay? (laughs) I can trade this for something else. I know that the next couple of months are going to be financially hard for me, but you know what? Let's be frugal for a couple of months. (laughs) I'm okay with, you know, buying stuff in the second hand, especially for the baby. Uh, I'm still gonna buy, you know, good quality, organic, OECO, tax certified stuff that are usually expensive, but I'm going to buy them second hand. And I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to resume coaching. Uh, You probably know that I'm living in the Netherlands. My family is in Poland. 
I don't have a village here. <laughs> you know, you, you know the saying that it takes a village to to raise a child. So I don't have that fi- that village. <laughs> my family is in Poland. My friends are in other countries. Locally, we don't have that many close friends who could help us. And also, you know, both of us, me and my partner, we are introverted with a very very small social network. (laughs) So I know that it's going to be a struggle the next couple of months or even years. However, I'm optimistic, you know. (laughs) Surprisingly, my mental health was very good in pregnancy. Post-childbirth, I'm still doing great. We just reassessed our relationship with my partner and it's still pretty good. Like, the quality of our relationship didn't dramatically decrease. We are not arguing. We we do not have many, you know, uh, problems. So I think that we are going to be fine. Um, yeah, just the question is what I'm going to do with Binge Per Brain and, and my brand and my Instagram. So for now, I just don't have any solid plans. Uh, I think that within a couple of weeks, months, I will slowly reintroduce myself to work I will try to post something on social media from time to time and I hope that maybe in September I will resume my coaching services but I'm only going to take like maybe two clients just to get things going I'm definitely not going to jump into like full-time work I'm definitely going to start slowly and see how the things are going with with baby how are we you know shifting our life because for the first um couple of weeks my partner was with me at home so things were kind of easy because we were equally dividing our tasks uh, and responsibilities around baby and right now he's um he's back at work which means that i'm doing a lot of things around baby on my own and i find it hard and i don't see how i could do it um, while also working. But again, things can change. Uh, so for now, I think I'm going to pause podcast because, <laughs> again, um, it's a little bit too much at the moment. But I want you to know that I'm going to be back. In a couple of months, I am going to resume podcast and we're going to have some wonderful topics, maybe even some, some su- super cool guests. So please do not unsubscribe <laughs> from uh, from from this podcast do not click unfollow because I will be back just give me some time I'm easing into motherhood I am enjoying my day-to-day life uh, all is well my mental health is great my physical health is great I'm just really enjoying um, every day every moment you know watching a little human grow and gain new skills <laughs> It's super cool. I just want to take that time for myself and for my family. But I am going to be back because I don't see myself, you know, being purely focused on on my child for the rest of my life. I, I need other hobbies. I need other things to uh, to focus on. I'm definitely going to be working on Binge Proof Brain again. However, I need some time. Anyway, 
thank you so much for listening me today and if you want to you know reach out to me say something ask question you can still do it on instagram because when i'm breastfeeding you know sometimes i'm just on instagram scrolling through reels which means that i could also probably respond to your message no problem <laughs> so if you want to connect with me just search for me for binge proof brain on instagram and let's connect there Uh, again, thank you so much for listening to me today and see you in the next podcast episode. Bye! If you enjoyed today's podcast episode and you would like to stay in touch with me, make sure to follow Bingeproof Brain on Instagram and if you are ready to take this material to the next level and apply what you've learned, then go ahead and submit your coaching application for my Bingeproof Brain coaching program. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day! Bye!